With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome everybody to another edition of the In The Paint Show Presented by Ball Is Life, episode 138 I'm here with my guy Ani Umana uh, We're back, you know, live We're back on it, in effect We're just enjoying ourselves this week It's kind of uh, a dead week and it should be a dead week for everybody out there a bit. Meaning, you know, you, sh- you should be trying to get some rest if you're a ball player, whether you're a collegiate player, uh, incoming collegiate player, getting ready for this to, to report and to, to, you know, fall fall ball. And if you're a high school player, you know, you should have some kind of break from your, your travel ball team. The live period is now over, so we're in a dead week. And th- this is a dead week. I mean, it's a dead weekend, but it's still a lot of things to talk about. You know, how, how are you doing? Man, I'm doing good. Um, just, you know, it's like you said, it's a dead week. So last week was probably more younger boys, right? Like you got to see uh, some young guys in Ball's life, uh, a junior All-American camp. And then there was a primetime nationals. Uh, they have the younger division was really good. So I got to see some young seven, eight graders and stuff like that. But I'm enjoying some time off. I ain't gonna lie to you. Like just the whole yeah. traveling a lot and this, that, and the third, even though I got to pick back up. But all good, but I, I agree with you. These guys need to take a rest. You know, yeah. I know we say no days off, but, you know, take a couple yeah. days off. You know, school season is going to come up and everything's going to get crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, the no days off. I know that's people's one of people's favorite Balls Life t-shirts. So, yeah, make sure to check out the Balls Life store, shop.ballslife.com. We still got that uh, I, I in the paint, in the paint. Uh, you know, uh, discount code 20%. If you ain't use it, you use it. You know what I mean? We got some great, yeah. You know, sales. We got, yeah, I was trying to pronounce it out. That worked out all bad in the paint, basically, just like it sounds right. I N T H E P A I N T. You know, there's a uh, back to school sales, there's some lines dropping with the, with the uh, influencers that you might like. Those dropped on the 29th of July. This is obviously, uh, in August now, so again, we're in the dead period. And like you said, we had the Balls Life Junior All-American camp. Now, to be transparent, that's something that Balls Life, uh, you know, uses as a title name for the camp. It's run by Open Gym Premier. The Balls Life staff or myself or Matt Rodriguez, the guys, we, we don't produce it and run it. It's just we produce the, uh, the jerseys that are getting better. It seems like every year the jerseys were nice. And there was a lot of kids, 500 and 
over 500 kids, 510 wow. kids, probably at least 22 states, maybe a little Sweet. bit more. So, I mean, it's a big event, Ani. It's How a many big courts? Event. There's at least nine courts. I mean, and it's been bigger before. I mean, you know, before COVID, it's been bigger before. Maybe 600 kids. I mean, kids love it. You know, it's like kind of their first introduction to like, feel, especially if you're young, like, hey, to be part of under camp. And, ooh, I like Ball is Life. I like all the, uh, you know, the younger kids like all the, they like to, have, to to hold the gear. And then they like, like, to be a part of something. They just want to be around other good kids. Right. But honestly, I, I focused on the seventh and eighth graders because, I mean, you know, those are the better, better players. And there was some good players. That, and it'd be very interesting to see where, where these guys uh, all end up in high school. So, how about you, Ani? What event were you down in and where you saw the youth? So I went to Primetime. They had their national tournament, um, Primetime Sports. They usually run weekly events in Dallas and do some in Houston and some in the West Texas and Central Texas area. But the Nationals is generally the, is the big one. They, have, they hold at the end of the month. And uh, it's really good for the young talent. Like sure. the high school level, you're not going to see the elite level guys, right? You may find you a sleeper or two. But it's like the seventh and eighth grade, like – that is really talented. Then, like, you know, I'm not watching fifth and sixth graders really, but Correct. like the, the seventh and eighth grade is very interesting. So I see a couple of guys. Like I saw Anthony Black's brother Beckham. Uh, uh really, really good. <laughs> like he has a chance to be yeah. really good. Way more skilled than he, his brother was at the same time. Not wow. much of a dog that A B was, uh, because A B played more football at that sure. time. But like, you know, I got to see guys like him, saw the Houston hoop, one of the Houston hoops, seven grade groups, really good uh, pro skills. And, you know, yeah. just to get to see those guys, these young guys early and, you know, just seeing their athleticism, seeing good guard play and stuff. Like it was good just to kind of go back down and uh, watch some of the young cats, but primetime runs their national events, probably like seven, 800 teams. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's big. It used to be bigger. It used to be like 11, 1200 teams. And, uh, but yeah, like it's really good for the young teams. Like that's what the yeah. value is. So who are some of the other 226 and 227s that you saw? Yeah, I don't even have names because I was just like. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just you're just rotating through. They have numbers. Um, uh, D uh, Dylan Batie, who's uh, the son of uh, Tony Batie. Uh, oh, Tony Batie's son. Yeah, he, uh, he has a younger brother. He's probably like 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, He's like a wing. Uh, 2027, uh, really, really talented. Like he has a chance of being really good. His son Dylan Batie was a 2024 that goes to Lancaster. Uh, he has a chance to be a Division One basketball player. So you you definitely see where the um, you know just the the bloodlines. You see how he that, like the kids are athletic. Yeah, um, yeah. You know can handle some shooting some. So it's very interesting just to see all that. And um, Houston Hoops had a kid. Um, He's going to go. He doesn't know what high school will probably end up going, but really shot the piss out of it. Um, Drive Nation has seventh grade group was really talented. They had like three kids that were about six, four and up. Uh, wow. But, yeah, it was like – and then like watching 3D Empire, watching Anthony Black's brother, that was um, – that was my first time really getting to sit down and look at him. You know, I knew he was pretty good, you know, because normally you don't see uh, videographers for seventh grade games. <laughs> but I saw about two of them. <laughs> I was like, so you okay, knew something like, was up. Yeah. yeah, I was like, okay, like, is he just filming because he's Anthony Black brother, or oh, and then he like he got a rebound, like pushed it with his offhand. He's uh, 
he's a righty, but he pushed with his left and did a floater with the left hand. I'm like, okay, shit. Like, I don't even see varsity players doing that right now. So yeah. <laughs> he has a chance. Yeah, he has a chance. So 227. So I saw some 227 and 226. Obviously, there's a lot of kids there at the Balls Life Junior All-American Camp. It's in, in Anaheim. And, uh, you know, they, they did have rosters for the top all-star games. That's what I focus on. You know, uh, there was other a couple other scouts there. And, obviously, they, the, the MVP uh, was Brandon McCoy, Jr., 6'2 guard. And Brandon McCoy is already big and bouncy. I think that's, you know, people. He's from Oakland. And and he's very good, you know. He's uh, uh he carries himself like he's a varsity player already. He's already played in uh, showcase events where he's he's shown that he's going to be a good player. And he plays for uh, the hometown favorites. Why not? He's played on that team, Doral Wright's team, and he's bouncy above the rim already. Again, like I said, amongst this group, he carries himself like he's uh, a player to be reckoned with. You know, there was a lot of uh, good players in this camp. A few other guys, uh, number 470, Caden Bailey. He's from Irvine, 6'1". Did a lot of good things. Again, I'm just going down the list. Oh, yeah. These are the guys that are uh, considered some of the best. Uh, number 531. And number 531, if I could find him on this list, <laughs> is... Elias Obina. Uh, Elias Obina was a good player. He uh, was uh, about six. Uh, he's about six two, maybe. Uh, he was very good. Number five thirty one. Uh, stocky with a nice skill level. Back to score. Number five sixty four. Isaiah Slim Rogers. He's, he's plays for the Compton Magic fifteen. Isaiah Rogers from Corona area. He's going to go to Corona Center. He's about 6'1". So he did really well. Um, number 475. Throwing some nice passes. That's Justice Griffith. He's a strong kid. Justice is built like a football player. He's also from Corona. He's about 5'11". Uh -huh. He's going to Corona Centennial. Gets in a stance. Plays defense. Number 365, Jason Crow Jr. He's obviously the son of Jason Crow, who coaches at Linwood High School, and he's going to go to Linwood High School. He, he got moved up to the Compton Magic 16s. He's a lefty guard who can get in the key, make plays. He did really well. I mean, most of these guys are really well-known on the West Coast already. Okay. You know, they're, 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 they're well-known. Uh, the last guy who I thought was in the first tier was Ryder Portella, number 566, a little bigger, about 6'3". Ryder's from Phoenix, and his coach is uh, Ray Portella, who was our National Coach of the Year at Sunny Slope in 2021. So he's obviously going to play for his dad, yeah, just like uh, Crow, uh, you know, and he's uh, in Phoenix, and he's a rising ninth grade. There were some good seventh graders as well, let me see if I could pull some of these seventh graders who I thought were pretty good in the seventh grade. I just watched the all-star game for the eighth grade in the seventh grade. I thought it would be easier than watching 500 kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, it, when you go there, if you've never been there before, it's kind of overwhelming. If you don't know where to go, it's just like uh, 
Ian or Ian Nikolov, six foot two, hit some deep shots. He was really good, 227. Parks Weaver, five foot ten guy, very good. Kendall Charleston, five foot ten, uh, two twenty seven, made a main for himself. Jaden Berry, I thought he could play a bit. He nice stop and pop game, little shake and bake. Jaden Berry's about five nine, he did really well. So again, you know, uh, it's more about the experience. The kids get out there, have a good time, and and they really enjoy themselves. So I, I really enjoy going to going to that. And uh, the MVPs, again, shows you how, um, you know, you just never know where a kid, just because you're good in this camp or you're good, right? you know, at this event or at this age, it doesn't mean you're going to be there at the end. The previous camp MVPs are Elijah Scranton. I don't even know if you know who that is. Uh, you probably don't even know who that is. He was a good young player, and he he uh, did three years of high school, then he was kind of... A little older, and then he might be toiling in the junior college or a small college. I'd have to go look it up. Elijah was a, a good player at a young age. Mm-hmm. 216, Kyrie Walker, who people know. Kyrie was a big-time junior high middle school player. And then in 217 was o- Obina Iwana. Oh, yeah. I remember Obina. him. I remember him. Obina's at Cal, I believe now. Okay. He's about six seven. He was a big, strong kid then. Yeah, very developed at a young age. So two eighteen, the camp MVP was Devon Arlington, who just accepted a scholarship. He's he just was a senior, and I think Devon Arlington is going to Ivy League. Yeah, let me see where Devon Arlington is going because I, I just forget he's going to Yale. Okay, great for him. He be, just be, got better. He was a really good, decorated high school player. Two nineteen. Jared McCain, who we all know, was going to Duke. One more year left at a Corona Centennial. There wasn't a camp in 220. And 221, Soho Bailey, Solomon Bailey, who's at Crossroads. Again, so everybody's at different stages of development. I think Brandon is one of the better players of that group. But we'll see how he he develops. It's very interesting just seeing the variation of type of guys. You got, like, at least at a young age. You got yeah. like Jared McCain who's going to do uh, Kyrie, who I know is kind of flirting with like the the pro rapper. Like back in the day, like you said, like was a complete man child, right? Yeah. Um, uh, like yeah, I mentioned the first kid, I never heard of him. So like like you said, yeah. like when we do rankings on events, it's like it's just for that particular event. Like okay. it doesn't mean you make it. Um, Correct. I think it's always sometimes people like, oh he got ranked uh, top five. You know it means he's going high major now. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Be at the, no, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that. It means he was just good at that day, or really good, or the best that day. Yeah, and I always pull for a guy like Elijah Scranton. You know, I hope I see him at an event or some and say what's up and see how he's doing. Right. Again, I knew he wasn't going to be a big time college, you know, Pac twelve, twelve or Big Twelve level guy. He's like, but he was good. You know, he was good in high school. So right. again, everybody keeps developing at a different pace. Just keep working on your game. Again, like we said, get some rest. And, and, you know, speaking of rest, Ani, you're going to rest a little bit this weekend or this, uh, you know, as this week finishes and then into this weekend. But what do you got going on? Let's talk about the following. We would just be kind of a busy week and we're going to get back on it. And then we're going to have the uh, Pangos All-American Festival at the end of August, which should be high level players. But before that, you know, let's talk about uh, middle of August. Yeah, middle of August. So I'll be at... um... I'll be at Vegas for the circuit. 
event yeah. at uh, be going August 10th through 12th. And then I'm going to fly on the 12th to Chicago for the Elite 24. So, you know, they have their roster put up. Um, Elite yeah. 24 did. So, I mean, it's a high-level roster. You know, I wish, uh, you know, there was uh, people when they first announced and they didn't know what that was so like. So, oh, this is going to be Under Armour people, uh, you know, this, that, and the third, or how good was UA? Like, you know, they kind of, even though it is Under Armour, they associated like that was just going to be Under Armour players. Hey. And there are some good Under Armour guys. There's some really yeah. good ones. But I don't think some people, some kids and players realize how good it was. So, you know, starting out, you got to hot Pettiford, who's had a really good summer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's on, he's one team. This is team future. Uh, F U T R. Uh, Stefan castle was really good for Atlanta express this year. Uh, Simeon Wilcher, who had a really strong, uh, peace jam, I think with the New Jersey scholars, correct? Yeah. Um, you got Bryson Tucker, a 224 kid who's really talented. Xavier Booker, which we all know, you know, we talked about yeah. Xavier multiple times here as a, as a riser in this and that class. Uh, Ray Rayvon Griffin Griffith, um, I think he committed somewhere. I forgot. After my two twenty three kid, Derek Queen, two twenty four kid, that's at Montverde that played for Team Thrill. Who yeah. you know, uh, Derek Queen's a kid that's lost a lot of weight. He helped lead his team to almost uh, to uh, the championship game in Atlanta, and then they won it all in uh, Chicago. And he's been the head of that. Uh, Victorious Miller, two twenty four, uh, really talented kid, t- like a like a top ten to fifteen player in the country. Justin oh, Edwards, yeah. um, I think he just committed to Kentucky. Uh, yeah, top three to five player in the country. Uh, Bay Fall, who was fantastic at Pangos and fantastic at uh, NBA Top One Hundred camp, uh, a, a kid that almost got the MVP of NBA Top One Hundred camp if his team would have won the championship. Sean Stewart, two twenty three, who's going to Duke, and then sure. at Marco Jack, uh, and Marco Jackson, uh, two twenty three kid. He plays for We Are One, and I got to see him in Atlanta. He was really good. I think he's going to be a big time stock riser. Um, yeah. So like, that's 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 one team. That, that that's a pretty good team. <laughs> multiple high majors guys have a chance to be pros. I mean, it's a talented group. Then Team Havoc, uh, Ian Jackson, who came onto the show from New York. Uh, Really yeah. talented kid, one of the best players in the country in his class. Bryson Tiller, uh, another really talented uh, player. Kwame Evans, you know, someone yeah, that's always talented. been at the top of the rankings, higher yeah. up top rankings since he was young, you know, uh, like a, a skilled big wing forward type. Uh, Boogie Flan, who's had a really good summer. Uh, Isaiah Collier, one of the best points guards in the country, probably the best passing point guard in the country. Wow. Uh, from from Georgia, Dennis Evans, you know, our girl. Our guy uh, Dennis uh, is in there, huh? <laughs> Dennis, yeah, Dennis in there. Chelsea's boy. Uh, no, but uh, Dennis is in there. He's had a, a fantastic uh, uh, a summer, you know, one of the biggest rises in the in the country, 223, and he's young, just turned 17 last month or a month and a half ago. Madas uh, Buzelis, who's going to uh, G League Ignite, you know, he's yeah. a really talented 6'10", skill guy. Uh, Trenton Flower, 224, I believe, right? Yeah. Uh, one of the better players in this class. James Kaiser Jr., uh, Jamie Kaiser Jr., another really talented guy. Trey Johnson, you know, arguably the best player in this class. You know, I know I'm biased on that because I'm a yeah. Texas guy, a Dallas guy. But, you know, he's arguably the best scorer, one of the best players in this class. Uh, J.P. Estrella, who got to see a good bit in the past, like from like NBA Top 100 camp. Yeah. 
And uh, for like a 30 day span, got to see a lot of him. You know, I didn't know he was like 6'2 as a freshman and just grew. Now he's like 6'10, 6'11. Wow. Lefty, skill, can shoot it. Um, you know, he's he's going to be someone that's uh, just a high level basketball player, 223. And uh, Elliot Cadeau, uh, 224 kid from New York. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about some New York guards later on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, Elliot, you know, super talented guard. I've uh, been playing 17 since he was a freshman. Um, so, you know, that's the crop of talent from team future and team havoc we got for elite 24. So I, yeah. you know, there's some guys that should have got in there you know, that I think may have been kicking themselves a little bit that they didn't get in there. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, that's a good group. And like I said, there's some cross mixture with Nike and there's some mm -hmm. cross mixture with Adidas. Like you said, our, our guy Bay fall, a few others. So when you went to Atlanta, like it's easy for people to say, oh, well, how good is Under Armour, like you said. Right. But, you know, when, uh, again, it's just one game, but when Ryan Silver's group won that game on national TV, you know, everybody's like, oh, let's see, Under Armour's got some players. So, I mean, was Under Armour pretty comparable to Adidas? You know, what? how good was Under Armour this year? I, I thought Under Armour was uh, was comparable to, comparable to Adidas. I think Under Armour yeah. was slightly better than Adidas this year, you know. Wow. And this, this is not, you know, I'm not like an Under Armour guy or whatever. Yeah. It's just, you know, just – kind of how I felt just being yeah. able to see all three. Um, but, you know, Under Armour was solid. It was solid. It was yeah. good. There's good talent. There's some good hidden guys out there. You know, can you know, just got to see like Canada Elite. They had a 225. That's really good guard. Yeah. Got a chance. Uh, Team Thrills loaded. You know, uh, Houston Defenders. We are one. Like, you saw a lot of Middlesex magic. Like, there were some really talented players Um in Under Armour, it was definitely wasn't a waste of time. So I think you got to be able to see all of them. Obviously, Nike's yeah. at the top, but sure. you know, Adidas last year was really good. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. it was very good. You know, and uh, this year, you know, it's not as good. But that's okay. I think most, you know, it's just going to be like that. But Under Armour definitely wasn't a waste of time to coaches. I don't think it was a waste of time for evaluators and scouts. No. You know. I think we just always look at Nike, which is, yeah, you know, yeah that's the best. But you see, some, like, you'll really find some guys in these Adidas, Under Armour, and even in the independent route. Like, you, you look at oh, yeah. uh, two players that play independent, Xavier Booker and Dennis Evans. So, yeah, um, yeah. I bought, going back to Under Armour, I think it's good. I thought it was slightly better than Adidas this year. So, wow. you know, that's good. I mean, that's good, healthy. That's healthy competition. That's healthy for. The game, you know, if they keep pushing it forward, obviously uh, our girl Chelsea is at the Steph Curry camp. Speaking of Under Armour, so you know she'll be back on next time when when we're back on. So she's right. working, doing her thing, watching players and, and and helping out with the kids. I don't know to the extent what the format is, but we'll find out when she comes back. But yeah, that should be good. You know, Elite Twenty Four is obviously a one game. It'll be on that Friday. August 12th, it'll be on ESPN uh, Family and Networks. It's always been on that. It's been a showcase game. They have the girls game now. So that's a lot of work. And I know it's a lot of work because I was involved. You know, so, <laughs> right, right. Tell yeah, us about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was involved in, boy, you know, getting the top guys there was a lot of work. And I always uh, respect the guys who came, wanted to play. Um, I just remember I had put – Julius Randle and Aaron Gordon on the same team. And Aaron's like, I'm not sure if I'm going to play. I'm like, okay, I'll leave you on this, on, on the one team then, right. you know? 
at the time it was team Raymond Lewis versus team Marcus Johnson because it was in LA. So I decided to name him that. Uh, Marcus was like, well, I, I got the, the team named after me, but I didn't get invited to a VIP seat. I, you know, what, what's up with that? <laughs> the first year. So I was like, Marcus, you come next year in 2011. It was all good. He enjoyed himself, you know. And people didn't know. Back then, people, Marcus didn't really have, like, obviously social media was barely getting on. People didn't know his son, Josiah. And I think now people know Josiah, and they know more about my Marcus. And for whatever reason, now the Bucks are getting more. Uh, those Bucks players and Bucks teams are getting more accolades. I guess maybe because of the Greek freak and because the Bucks have been winning. Right. But like I wanted to, I wanted to to uh, basically highlight all the great LA players, the street ball players, and that's what I did. I built a program. I'm so happy about it. Like we, I dude, I talked to, I got as many names as I could. And people didn't even know. Some people besides the Julie didn't even know people. LA had a street ball scene, really. Like Venice Beach is kind of the epicenter of it. Mm-hmm. And Venice Beach, the event went from Rucker Park to Venice Beach. So it was at Rucker, 06, 07, 08, and 09. And the first one was like, do the players want to play in it? They heard it was outdoors, and it was like, oh man. But once Kevin Love got in. Once Kevin Love committed, the other guys, um, the other guys jumped on board. The other guys kind of jumped on board. Uh, Michael Beasley played, Brandon Jennings did as a rising junior. And that's the first time people in New York got to see how good Brandon was. And we were like, we know he's good. And then he went to Oak Hill. So then the 07 game was good. You know, uh, Kemba Walker, a lot of good, a lot of good players played. You know, the top, it was. Almost like a preseason McDonald's All-American game. That was kind of the premise of it. And it was basically no, no, no. It was Boost Mobile Elite 24. Not a lot of shoe company influence, or that's seen how it started, right? Just 24 good players. Let's see what they got. And then um, the third year included like Jeremy Tyler, Jordan Hamilton. And then the fourth year, I was when we were out there in New York. It was uh, raining. It was uh, it, it. You could see it. I was like, okay, guys, I've done a lot of events. I can see those clouds. Like it's gonna start raining here in about forty-five minutes. Like, you know, and everybody's like, oh, let's get the game in. But that's a New York type thing. Like, let's get the game in. Rain yeah, man, before the rain hits. I'm in California, boy, and I'm looking at the sky and I'm like, uh, we're not gonna get this game in. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it starts sprinkling. Then next thing you know, everybody's got these, like, blowers trying to, like, blow off the water. I was like, this is not going to work. <laughs> this ain't going to work. So in the brilliance, our guy, of course, our guy Rod Naclario, who our guest on the show, Rod Naclario goes from the top of his lungs. Guys, let's go to the Gaucho's gym. We got the Gaucho's gym. You know, he's all, this is how you get there. I mean, Rod is screaming at the top of his lungs to anybody who listens. He's like, go over the bridge, go left. Make a ride. You make two turns, and it's right there. And everybody's just like, yeah. <laughs> knew what he was talking about. Unless you're from, you know, unless you're kind of like a basketball guy, you kind of already knew right. where the Gauchos gym was compared to, to being at uh, Rucker Park, which is on a, up on 155th and wherever it is, Amsterdam. So, man, that was memorable. We jumped on a train. I remember A-Tope from the Content Magic was, was on that train with us, a few other guys, and we were just like, this is crazy. It was kind of wet. But we, we, we did an event indoors. Harrison Barnes was there. Uh, Will Barton. 
uh josh smith do you remember remember josh smith who went to ucla he was kind of like a big name mm -hmm. austin rivers was there as a uh rising junior so after that i think it kind of it made sense when when we got involved more and 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 student sports got bought by espn we we moved it out to to venice beach it would seem like a natural move and that's when I wanted to uh, highlight Raymond Lewis, Marcus Johnson, and, and all the L.A. guys. And I was able to invite some of those guys who were in the program and who were well-known street ball players, you know, to the event. So they, they were happy about that. Uh, Raymond Lewis had already been dead, uh, passed away, you know, for mm -hmm. that was 2010. He'd passed away in 2001. So he'd already been dead for almost 10 years. But at that time, I was working with my buddies, uh, Dean Prater and and he was trying to get the Raymond Lewis documentary out there. And I, I, I just did that to, to uh, you know, obviously he deserved it. He's like right. the greatest streetball player in California history. That's like, there's no debate about it. And team named one of the team, Raymond Lewis, Bobito Garcia shouted out Raymond on the, on the telecast. Like it all worked out good. So that was a lot of work. It was getting the players out there. You know, the hotel was nice. And I just remember back to that. Aaron Gordon, Julius Randall. Randall came out twice, and 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 then Aaron's like, "Let's play." And I just remembered, I rem I knew one team was better than the other in 2012. I was like, "Let's let leave Julius and Aaron on the same team." And I just remember some of the guys from the other team. I will, uh, they'll remain nameless. They were just like, "Man, this ain't fair." I was like, "I thought you guys are like super future pros. Like, right? What are you scared of? Like, oh no, why is Aaron and Julius on the same team? Like." So, of course, during the game, Aaron and Julius balled out. You know what I mean? Like, nobody right. can stop them. And uh, these are just the funny things you remember about the games like that. You know, and I'm sure you'll 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 remember something funny when you go to Chicago next week. Oh, 100%. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was a great time. I do remember uh, Michael Irving came out, you know. To, uh, I don't know if he knew Doc. He might have known Doc. Not really sure. So, you know, Austin was there for the second year. And I do remember this was outdoors. And remember, this is on concrete. The event didn't go to the uh, wooden floor until it moved back to New York because that was the next step. Right. We wanted to keep the game. We're like, let's keep the game in L.A. And they wanted to move it back to New York and, and uh, went to Dumbo, went to the, the waterfront. It was a great venue. And I remember thinking, OK, let's get through this game. It'll be good. And I remember Austin Rivers fell right on his wrist bro right hard and i was like okay if austin rivers breaks his wrist oh yeah <laughs> this event is, oh like i don't know if we're gonna have this event in the future like this anymore he toughed it out though he got up he was all right he, he was okay you know but right. he fell hard and that was always the case like you know it's just the progression of the game we had the game outdoors and that was awesome but as time went by and these these players got bigger and in social media got bigger and i just think the parents got more aware like i remember dakari johnson who, who's from you know new yeah, jersey yeah. new york dakari played at, at kentucky and his mom would tell me ronnie dakari's not playing that elite 24 no matter what like his knees can't take it no he's not doing it you know what I mean? like, <laughs> and i respected it she was just right. honest you know what i mean and and i remember uh we also had a great moment was we had uh bobito was great MCing, he did his homework. He knew the players. We had uh, our guy, the Grammy Award winner, 
uh he's just my name is just uh, his just name is uh slipping my mind right now uh he was a mc for like a half of the game and it was great uh boy i just can't jamie fox jamie oh, fox okay. did it. he had jamie yeah. fox out there yeah we had jamie fox out there you know it was a, he had a i think he had an under armor deal and he knew some of the guys in the marketing Mm-hmm. And like that was big, you know what I mean? Like Jamie Fox, we just give him the mic, let him rock, you know. Like yeah, let him do what he do. <laughs> let him do what he do. It was just fun. So yeah, and obviously when the game went back to New York for 13, 14, 15, 16, they had a wooden floor. It was probably better for the players. And then you know Zion played. Uh, what's our guy from New York who played at at Lincoln after uh, Lance Stevenson? And Lance Stevenson played three times, but he played in the early years. Tyreek played in the early years. Uh, I just remember he went to Seton Hall and like I, I liked his game, he was good, so yeah, great memories overall. On I could talk about it for a long time, but it, it, it's a good event, and obviously, it's a New York feel, it's obviously born in New York, and, and obviously, we've had a lot of uh talk about New York guards and New York, New York, uh, New York theme lately. So, yeah, what, what are your kind of did you watch any of the games on ESPN back then? Yeah, I watched uh, the the one I really watched was I think R.J. Hampton was in there. Um, that was the he was in there that that year. I remember fairly well, like that because I think it was it was outside. Yeah, was it in New York? 13? Yeah, it had to be in New York with R.J. Hampton, I believe. Yeah, I think it was in New yeah. York, and that was like whoa. I was like, yeah, you know, was, was it underneath the bridge or was it uh-huh. the one outdoor by the water? It was outdoor by the water. Okay. Ivan Rapp playing in it, yeah. Uh huh. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All the guys. Yeah, that was two thirteen. That was two thirteen. Yeah. Was it two thirteen? RJ was. He was two fifteen, sixteen. No, RJ Hampton was twenty eight, twenty nineteen. It was might when have he been was sixteen. Okay, so it might have been the sixteen game with Zion. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, because he he was younger, and I remember he was in there, and so uh, that was my first year watching. I was like, whoa, like. I didn't know they were doing it like that. Like, yeah, it was a big production, a good event, and you know, again, it, it's it's coming back after five years, two sixteen. Yeah, and like I said, we said it, it morphed into the Steph Curry, and you know, what is your speaking of like New York guards and New York style play? What is your introduction to that? Like, oh um, man, it was like so like just being a basketball head, so like watching documentaries right like yeah, uh, a lot of like a lot of and one early than just documents like like your lamar odom straight for all since just stefan marbury's you know then they'll talk yeah. about like julius Irving and kareem abdul jabbar like they will have interviews about guys that should have been in the nba but they didn't make it like Wee kirkland you know what i mean like yeah, and then you just do a lot of digging you know uh we talked about this a little bit earlier like you know, New York basketball goes all the back from the, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, when Dr. Yeah. Boy would come out. You know, you had NBA All-Stars come out um, uh, just, you know, in the summers just to play. Uh, sure. Rucker Park, you know, that's, you know, is when everything got going. Like, your Sebastian Telfair is like, in, in New York guards, you just know when you see one even to this day. Just like, you know, yeah. just a gritty downhill guard, can pass, got some flair to him. The handle, yeah. The handle and everything. So um, I think my introduction just was like documentaries early, like when I was a kid. Like I was so interested in just like the style of play and just and one and then like start with and one and then you like, okay, well, what was before this, <laughs> right? And then then you kind of go like, oh, Dr. J and Kareem and Wilt, we used to come to Rucker and play. Like then they would talk about guys. Oh, that, yeah. 
you know, would play, could have been the league, but you know, they're, they were making, they're, they're in the street life. You know what I mean? So like, they're just so many so great for Austin. Like, yeah, <laughs> like you, yeah. there's just so many guys, but like, I'm, it, it started like, and one, then it just like, okay. And then you go further and further back and you're like, Oh, like, you know, this is a rich history. Yeah. Oh, very rich. Yeah, I, I studied the history. Yeah, I followed it a lot. And I, 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 when I was with ESPN and we did the Elite 24, I, I try to pub those high school guys as much as I could, the guys who didn't make it, mm -hmm. the myths and stuff and, and stories. We went, we did the series like called Rucker to Venice, where we stopped and interviewed guys at every, at every park that's well known in the country. We started at Rucker and we ended at Venice. Yeah. And we went down to the, uh, I think, so what's, what's the one in Texas? Tandy? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Tandy. We talked to a couple guys that were over there. Obviously, the legend is Dwayne Legend Rogers, who everybody knows. And um, you know, I don't know. Maybe in future years, Texas will have more guys that are known for like their street ball. But I mean, in many sometimes in respects, that's it's not great to be known for guys who didn't make it. You know, I mean, you want guys to make it. Obviously, New York has a ton of guys in Philly too that didn't make it. And just goes to the talent level of those, those cities. So when it brings us to that Showtime documentary, the New York Point Gods, and which was just recently dropped, and there's it's gotten a lot of attention. There was a, a premiere on it, you know, and, and it came out and people watched it. And it just focused on the 80s and 90s. So it's okay. And I and I we knew it was coming out because our guy Ron Naclario came on the show and told us that he was in it and, and that he was going to, the reason why the and one documentary 30 for 30 got pushed up was because of this KD uh, was involved in this production for this New York point right. gods one. So it focused on the eighties and nineties, which it basically focused on Rod Strickland, uh, Ray for Alston, Mark Jackson, Kenny Smith. Um, I think Steph and, and for me, that's like, great and it's, it's great to relive that or talk about that i know bobito came on it and i like to shout out bobito because he really when he did elite 24 he really did his homework studied all 24 guys made sure he knew all of them by face and by name face and i always give him a lot of credit right he's really student of the game like he'll pick it up really fast he's like ronnie who are those guys what's the numbers tell me you know so yeah i'm always love to give a shout out to him and and our guy Naclero is always a straight shooter. And and what I just didn't think of the documentary is like when you talk about the history of New York basketball, obviously you can go back far, Pop Gates and all these guys who played at at um Brent Franklin in Harlem goes back to like the late 30s. They were well known. PSAL players are well known in the 30s and 40s. And like the height of it. From what I've gathered over the years of me reading, talking to people, is like the 60s and 70s, early 70s. Like you said, when Dr. J played, Pee Wee Kirkland, Joe Hammond, mm -hmm. guys that were good enough to play with the pros. Uh, and some did, and some played in the pros, and some, like you said, were in the street life. Like, I always thought that was the Mecca and the golden era time. And then the two greatest books of that I've ever read in basketball really and i've said that on previous pods are uh heaven is a playground by rick talender who yeah. came out about 73 74 
And then the other one would be foul, which is the Connie Hawkins story, which talks about Connie getting involved in the gambling uh, scandal. And he was kind of unjustly did. He didn't really break into the NBA until he was like 28 years old. And his knees were already shot. And he's still an NBA Hall of Famer. Right. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't even, he was like 50% of how good he was supposed to be. He was unbelievable. You know, he's, he's considered one of the best high school players ever. He'd have been a cinch All-American in Iowa. And, and uh, you know, he got involved in that. So when they, when I hear about this documentary, I'm like, well, if you guys didn't really talk about the 70s and 60s, uh, for me, it's, it's I'm not knocking down my – I'm not breaking records. I'm not sitting here waiting to watch it on it yet. Right, it's right. Me. I don't know about you. And, you know yeah. I mean? No, that's what that's kind of where I'm at. Like, yeah. I like to – stuff like that. I, like, when you talk about history, I always like to see where it started. You know, yeah. and I think it really started like you talked about with Dr. J, Connie Hawkins, Mo Hammond, Pee Wee Kirkland, and just and yeah. you know seeing guys like Wilt out there. Like I, I wish there was more stuff talking about that. Yeah. And then going, then you go into the '80s with Ross Strickland, and you know you got Steph, yeah. and you got all those guys, which is great. Like I don't yeah. and Mark Jackson. I Pearl. just think, uh huh. And I yeah. just think you have to you just. I, for me, I'm always big on how it started. So I like to go like when yeah. like I'm a history like yeah. I'll, I'll be bored just watching history. But like I like to start from the beginning. So for me, I think the, be yeah. the beginning is at those times where like that kind of built to help build these guys in the 80s and 90s. I think you're just not really covering everything Correct. you need to when you don't start at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. Because if Tiny Archibald is not really part of that doc, and I think some people mentioned that it's like right. He's one of the greatest NBA players of all time. He led the league in scoring and assists. The only guy to do it. He adjusted his game, became part of a Boston Celtics team that won the championship. He's, you know, went to DeWitt Clinton, which a lot of great players went to that high school. Um, guys that were so good. I mean, our guy, Tiny Archibald, didn't start to his senior year, not because he wasn't good. The team was too loaded. You know, <laughs> it just, he was too loaded. He, they right. were the, they were undefeated his senior year, and they had some other good players who were all city-type guys. And, like, he didn't really get crack, get, get in there until his senior year. And went to had to go to a, a, a junior college and went to UTEP, and then he, he broke into the league. But he was good. And, and that's the kind of stories you want to hear, you know, like. Because you hear the street guys, you had street agents back then who were, who were basically, and that's what Rick Tallender's book, Heaven in the Playground, is about a little bit. You, we can't forget Fly Williams. You know, he, I don't know if you know Fly Williams' story much, but he played at Austin P in Clarksville, oh, yeah. Tennessee. He was an All American, but I mean, he was in the streets heavy. He was yeah, basically yeah. dealing drugs to like his teammates for the, on the St. Louis Spirits and in other ABA teams. Like, oh, Fly, that's where you get your, that's where we get the dope from. Like, you <laughs> yeah, know, like, right. so we're like, oh, we're playing the Spirits. We're about to score, you know, like, we're about to connect. Yeah, because they're gonna be on. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, you know, Fly's the guy. You know what I mean? And like, it's crazy because Fly survived a a gunshot wound like in '87, so he was probably at that time maybe 40, 40 45. He was kind of done playing. And dude, Fly still got busted later, like running a big heroin distribution network, like as late as like two sixteen or two seventeen. So Fly's like spending like the last years of his of his life in jail. You know what I mean? Like it sucks. Just people didn't really 
think that they're like, okay, Fly did that back in the day. Like he's not doing that now. Like he was still right. like he oh he older. Like he he done with that. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. don't transition. No, like flies in the street. So though those are the kind of stories you hear. So fly, you know, and then like you said, it's kind of hard to, to cover or to see why is Pearl and Mark Jackson, Kenny Smith, and these Kenny Anderson so big in the 80s. Like something set that up. It didn't just right. happen. Like, so you want to know a little bit about that history. And I love to follow that history. So I came out, I just threw it on Twitter. I came out with the list of like my top New York City point gods of all time. And I forgot Dean the Dream Meminger. I'll, I'll say that in Burn Fleming. Somebody mentioned that right away. My my buddy Dane Irvin. He's like, Oh, you didn't mention <laughs> Dean the Dream and, and Burn Fleming. I'm like, Yeah, those should have been in the top 30. So I came up with 30. I put it on Twitter. Go check my Twitter handle. You check it out. But yeah, I need to check that out. Yeah. 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 I have Nate Archibald, number one, Rod Strickland, two. And I, I, I think Rod doesn't get enough credit for how good a pro he was, how good he is. I have Kenny Anderson, three, Steph, four, Pearl, five, which might be a little high. I, I kind of knocked some of the older guys down. Uh, Kemba Walker, six, Lenny Wilkins, seven. Lenny Wilkins is a good player. You know, Skip to my Lou. I have him eight. I like Skip. Okay, I'd so. probably have him higher if I if I could. I'd have Skip higher. He's like one of my favorite players. Pee Wee Kirkland nine again. I don't know how much higher Pee Wee Kirkland can be, but again, his rivalry with Tiny Archibald is like, besides Joe Hammond and Doctor J, supposed to be like the best rivalry in playground history. That's why you know? I heard. Like, I heard they they used to get yeah like yeah like Pee Wee Kirkland's a bad dude like. Why am I going to go play for a team? What? I'm in the streets, dude. I'm making money. You know, like right. the same thing with Joe Hammond. Like, the Lakers offered Joe Hammond a contract. And they were like, I think, oh, man, 200K. And they didn't have a no-cut clause. And I think for him, and Joe Hammond would say this, and he was making 200K, you know, a 200K contract. And I think. The Lakers thought like they were doing him such a, a, a service, but for his mentality in the streets, <laughs> he's like, he said at age 15, his dad was already hiding money for him all over apartment buildings and in, in his apartment at 15, he already had a hundred racks. <laughs> Dude, and especially at that time, so like a yeah. hundred, that's like, I don't know, but like, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of bread. Inflation, that's a lot of money, bro. Yeah, you bring you know, me talking about half a million really in today's term. Half you know? a million or the three quarters of a million in today's money. So you can just imagine the mentality of those guys. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you know, Fly Williams would just come and double park in front of hydrants and just play, play in the second half. I guess, you know, Joe Hammond was a little like that. He'd show up when he wanted to. You know what I mean? But those stories live on and on forever. I don't know what's your favorite story, Ani, but. Yeah, you know, you can't go wrong with Tiny Archibald because he covers all grounds. Juco, right. high school, D1, pro, all-star, all-pro. Like, you know, every other guy has some kind of knock on their game. And, you know, some guys have, oh, he wasn't a great high school player. He got good later. Or, oh, he was great in high school, but he didn't do in the pros. I don't know what your favorite story is or who your favorite guy is, but I I, I really I ain't gonna lie, like Pee Wee was just my favorite one because when I when they yeah. would say when when Kareem and uh Dr. J would talk about him, I was like, I did like hella research on him. I was just like yeah. and then seeing yeah. a little bit, I'm like, yo, this dude was really cold. Like he yeah. <laughs> he was busting pros. So yeah, yeah. Uh just like 
it's just the whole like he could he could he should have been the NBA but didn't and then got into the street life. It just was so crazy, like how much money he was making in the streets. And yeah. it's just like, you know what, I'm not even, you know, I'm not even worried about the pro stuff. Like, but he was super talented. They're like, he's one of the best players that never that should have been pro but didn't go pro, you know. Yeah. The street ball. Okay. So I thought that was interesting. Like you said, Tiny, uh, it just like like you say, he hits all high school, yeah. started his senior year, the JUCO. So he's he 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 knows everything. Like he's like he can relate to anybody. You know? He can relate to anybody. Yeah, correct. And like you said, you have a guy who played what what Kansas City Royals at the time. I forgot the name of the team where he was the leading scorer and leading assist guy in the league. You know, and it's like yeah. MVP type All Pro. And then he kind of adjusted his game when he played with Bird and then that young when the Celtics had that young core and he was like a veteran leader on that eighty one team. Yeah. And they want it. So, like, he adjusted his game. Like you said, he knew the game. You know what I mean? He wasn't going to be like, oh, I, I, I'm going to play on a weak team and, and just put up, try to put up numbers. <laughs> smart. Right. You know, right. And, and Tiny got it done. So, yeah, those are all great stories. Uh, I, You know, Tiny's not my favorite player. I guess my favorite player is Skip and, and, and Kenny Anderson. You know, Kenny Anderson is, is uh, he jumps on Twitter and, like, responds. I, I like Kenny Anderson because he's always jumping on Twitter and he'll respond. He'll yeah. be like, Ronnie, well, yeah, how you doing? You know, like he just right, yeah. He he's yeah. active, he'll he'll respond to just random people, like, oh yeah, you know, just kind of how you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's awesome to see because he's really an icon in New York, you know what I mean? But he's he's just an everyday guy to me. He's just an everyday guy, like right. And 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 you know, he's he's had a he's had a documentary out. There's so many documentary outs now, Ani. It's just crazy. We talked about many of them on the pod. The Raymond Lewis documentary finally dropped. Like I said, uh, that's mm-hmm. a story in itself. And I'll hope to have Ryan Pomaliski and Dean Prater on the pod. Let's we we should get them on soon to talk about how that became to be. That's a story right. in itself. Yeah. Because the, the key was finding footage. Because again, we there's footage of Dr. J at the Rucker. Mm-hmm. There's a little footage of Pee Wee Kirkland. Yeah. And there's even a little footage of Earl the Goat. And obviously the goat is. He's not on any New York City point guards because he's more like a, a wing, an undersized wing who could jump in sky. He became famous because obviously Goat Park, uh, Goat Park, you know, was a car got named after him. Right. Um, but he got he was famous because the HBO did a movie on him too. you know, rebound the Earl, the Goat Manigold story. And he passed away in 1998. Yeah. His heart gave out of him. You know, these a lot of these guys. It's that's what's crazy about. Um, that's what's crazy about our guy. I told you who who survived and 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 did all that, uh, you know, and, and got put Fly. in jail recently. Fly, yeah. like, because he just was like had nine lives. You know what I mean? <laughs> because Earl would tell people, "Yeah, man, I I have a million dollars. I shot it up all in my arms." You know, he was a heroin addict by yeah, 24, right. 23. Yeah. You know, it's just a and I've seen video of him and he's talking, and they're interviewing. Uh, the goat, and he's in his early 20s, and his eyes are just deep set, and he has that black under him, and he just, yeah, you can yeah. tell he's already really in the street like that, and, and already really affected, and 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 there's video of him, and he can still kind of get up, you can tell he could jump, it's like, wow, yeah. you can imagine how good he was at like 16 or 17, you know, like, yeah, they're talking about, he was touching the top of the backboard and everything, yeah, yeah, like he just, you know, there's a couple guys like that, Jackie Jackson, they said was, and Helicopter Knowing. So 
New York is always going to be the mecca for that. So, I mean, I'm sure this documentary is worth watching. I'm, I'm going to watch it soon. I'm, I'm sure our listeners are going to watch it. Um, but, yeah, New York just has its own flair. And, and it's funny when you talk about Pearl, you know, you have such high range of uh, uh, opinions on guys. You know what I mean? And I don't think you get that anywhere else. I don't know if it's just the New York flair, the style, like, oh, I hate that guy. I love him. When you talk about guys in the, in the West, like the pecking order is pretty much like set. You know, like you got right. Raymond Lewis, you got John Staggers, who's a friend of mine, who who's like known as the best player out at Venice Beach. And it's especially when it became like a more just playing in the streets, not the, like the the Venice Beach uh, Memorial Day tournament. That's like Kenny Hicks started that in 1979 and it was became well known. And it became a Memorial Day and or Labor Day kind of thing where people came out and pros played. But just guys who played there every every Sunday or every week, like John Staggers is the guy. And Hook Mitchell, who's from the Bay. Everybody knows Hook for jumping over cars and yeah. <laughs> motorcycles. Like those guys are at the top and nobody really debates. But when you talk about New York guys, it seems like there's a lot more range. Like I get on Twitter and argue with Dane Irvin all day like, yeah. You know, we just go back and forth. And and I think that's the essence of the game. It's like where you've seen him play, what playground you saw him play, what time period you saw him play. Because we know Pearl and how Kenny Smith will say it, like Pearl was the standard. You know what I mean? Because he came out in 83. Mark came out in 83. Uh, Kenny came out in 83. And Kenny Hutchinson. Kenny Hutchinson went to Arkansas, but drugs kind of didn't his, – his game didn't elevate. Cause he got involved with drugs when he was in Arkansas or at that time. And Kenny Smith will tell, and Kenny Smith did say that when pro died, like, yo, I owe a lot of my career and a lot of my motivation was trying to match Pearl because he was the best guard in the country. And Pearl kind of peaked at Syracuse and obviously all of Pearl's games was on ESPN. Right. Kinda, him and Patrick Ewing and, and Georgetown and Syracuse kind of created college basketball what it's on tv is today like everyday viewing during the week right like big monday super tuesday all that's based on like the big the big the big east you know what i mean and pearl has a big and and, and if you look at it yeah pearl couldn't really shoot that great he's kind of an unorthodox but like he's a legend you know but like certain guys and i'll just say it like pearl when he got to the league i don't know if he had some uh family problems and his brother might have had some problems if i'm not mistaken i just don't know how motivated he was no more you know what i mean yeah you know like he, he got drafted what 14th or so the nets and like he was out of the league after a few years and most people didn't think he was going to be that good of a pro i think all the guys in new york were hoping he was like pearl's gonna do yeah, this pro magic, but, like, yeah. but i think scouts knew like yeah he's gonna only be okay so i don't know if it's like you know that reputation thing and like you know, when you're playing at the Cario Dome in front of 30,000 people and then you're like, yeah, you're playing for the Nets. Like, how motivated <laughs> are you? I, mean, I don't know. Like, yeah, there's probably, I would say that he probably made lots of motivation or just kind of like when you've been at the, like, in the scene for so long and yeah. then you're just kind of like, you, you kind of get burned out from it some. You know, I think money could be a motivator, but sometimes it's just like, like look, it's. Yeah. I don't think money was a big motivator for Pearl. I remember Kenny Smith had mentioned that. He said that 
when they were in high school, like people would just stop him in the streets and ask him for his autograph. And like those other guys were looking up to him, even though they were all in the same class. Right. And like he's uh, probably by the time he got to the pros, it was just like not even the motivation wasn't there. Like it wasn't a big deal. You know what I mean? Nah, probably yeah, probably and, and I think as, as a college player, like he was probably more well known than most NBA players at the time, really. Exactly. Like <laughs> exactly. Besides the Lakers, uh, Celtics, and a few other teams that were on TV all the time, like Biggie's basketball was like on TV. Like it, how create ESPN to the brand it is now, and and obviously college basketball is a staple of that. You know, like what, where would ESPN be without college basketball? Damn. It wouldn't be what? as you know, and then it, obviously good. they got MLB and other other things on its docket. But like college basketball was really like to me the thing that put it on the map, you know. So yeah, I mean those those are great things, and like you said, uh, you know, I'm I'm happy for Strickland and and the guys who got shine in this doc. I guess maybe God Sham got too, and mm-hmm. a few of the younger guys. But yeah, I wish they would. I would love to talk more about the old guys. Maybe, you know, we could we could get somebody on one day to talk about the old guys. So uh, as we as we transition here, you know, our, our last topic is a, a little more serious. But it's again, we talk about Tiny Archibald and wasn't able to make the team. There was three other NBA players on his team. I did a story about it on, on, on ballislife.com about how many high school teams have had three or more pros or, or more pros on one team. You know, it's a little more than you think. Obviously, we talk about the, the Chino Hills team, you know, with Mello, Mello uh, Onyeka, and, and, and Lonzo. Yeah, yeah. And and so everybody has a different starting point. But, again, for I, I, I can't sit here and say Tiny Archibald probably wasn't good in 10th or 11th grade. He probably was a baller. <laughs> the, the team – and the then, uh, yeah, DeWitt Clinton also had, I don't know if you know anything about the history of PSAL, Ani. Um, the uh, schools are huge. So DeWitt Clinton had like 8,000 students what? at times, 10,000 students. So, like, you know they had ballers all across the, the oh, board. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, like, the schools were huge. You know, and DeWitt Clinton is along with Long Beach Poly in Southern California, probably has the most famous, like, alumni of any school in all categories, like judges, politicians, athletes, actors. And, again, as you look at the size, you know what I mean? Right, right. And it, it, it's such a such a large school. And um, – 8,000. Yeah, you know, 7,000, 60 for, – for many years in the 50s, 60s, and I don't know if into the 70s, but they had a huge population of students. So man, you can imagine how many balls. You can imagine how many balls were just around, like out of that the coach didn't like or the coach cut. You know, like, right? Yeah, that could really play play. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like, could, yeah, that's just crazy to me. You know what I mean? Yeah, and 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 it, and it happened. So uh, I'll give you a, a, a sample here for Dewitt Clinton in sixty three sixty four. They had three pros. Luther Green, who was a junior, Ollie Taylor, a sophomore, and Willie Worsley. Okay, that's 63-64. 64-65, they had Nate Archibald on the on the um, bench. Luther Green was a senior, and Ollie Taylor was a junior. Um, 
So like you could imagine how good they were. Right. You know what I mean? And the 64 team lost to uh boys in the PSA semifinals at Madison Square Garden. And Clinton has produced 17 NBA players. And most were there from the 60s and 70s. And I think I mentioned this before. Uh, UNLV's first All-American, Ricky Sobers, who went on to the NBA, he was so good. Uh, he's like, I don't really want to play at DeWitt. I'm just going to wait for college. And I'm going to get ready for college. Well, I, I, you know, the, I know how good the high school team is. Like, I, I, I don't want to be one of the guys. Like, I'll just wait and go to college. And he made the pros. And he was All-American at UNLV. He never played at DeWitt. He just chilled with the homies or whatever he did, played in the streets. And, and then with the UNLV. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> and made the pros, you know. Ricky Sobers, just a great player. So there's a lot of stories like that. And that's what I would like to hear. These, these high schools were so deep. They didn't have guys that went to the pros or went to college. Like we said about that, that heaven is a playground where Rodney Parker would just scout them in the parks and send them to Seattle, send them to Utah State, send them to – these were guys who were just playing pickup. You know what I mean? That's just awesome stories. Like like you said, I think that's the mecca. That's what I want to hear about. Yeah. Because we, we kind of know about, you know, Rod – nothing against Rod or Kenny. We we know about those guys. Right. You know what I mean? But like, like a documentary on that stuff or just even a yeah. section and documentary about that stuff, yeah. would be like amazing because they'll shed light on guys that we don't even know like yeah we don't even I, know about you know you talk about yeah. dude he never even played at the high school even the yeah. UNLV was a pro like yeah there's, there's probably plenty of stories like that <laughs> That's stories crazy. like that and and that heaven of us a playground I would uh recommend all our readers check it out heaven is a playground and the Connie Hawkins story which is called foul those two books are awesome those two books are great. I, I'll read them again. You know, I've read them more than once. I because you learn more. You and it's about New York basketball and how it, you know, cultivated itself into what we had in the '80s and '90s and, and even into today. So, and obviously the Elite Twenty Four is part of that. Really, I mean, without the streetball guys, the Elite Twenty Four wouldn't have rookie. Yeah, right. he wouldn't like, exist. It wouldn't have existed. So, want to close out here by, like you said, we talked about. Uh, Nate Archibald, another guy who wasn't a highly regarded high school player, Bill Russell. And Bill just passed the NBA all-time legend. I believe he was 88 years old. Uh, you know, what did you th what did what's your first reaction to that, Ani? You know, I was like, you know, it was like a legend's gone. You know, obviously yeah, he was yeah. 88 years old, so he lived a lot of life. But um, you know, you kind of re like obviously Bill was way before my time, right? But yeah, just watching the like I used to watch old school games, like yeah. him and Wilt. Uh, like one thing I learned when I was growing up playing, like Wilt would block shots, but he wouldn't block it out of bounds, right? Yeah. So like he would block it to a teammate or something like that. So things like that, like just watching him and how much of a team player he was, and just the stuff he had to go through living in Boston, yeah. <laughs> you know, at those times and dealing with a whole bunch of racism, and uh, yeah, just, just come back. I mean, God, the, the, the his fans are booing him. And he's yeah. helping them win eight straight NBA championships. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. that's crazy. And then I know he transitioned to a coach. Um, yep. But just, you know, you just, you, you, we're, we're losing. We lost a legend today. He lived a really good life. But just the, everything he went through and how yeah. he's a pioneer, really. Um, oh, yeah. For just a, just a big man. Like, you see big men today that are 
like him. They saw oh, he's only six nine, but it's like how many six nine centers do we need now? Now you see in the yeah. NBA, like no one's looking for the seven one seven two guy. You see a lot more six nine type guys. So you know, moves well, yeah. correct. He can battle yeah, with those guys. Well, agile, yeah. you know, yeah. just a, a hell of an athlete. Yeah, yeah, and so you know, just how he how much of a pioneer, just how much he went through for, you know, players today to have what they have, you know. To have what they have. No doubt. No doubt. That's why I kind of, when I hear people cry about their condition or even some of the things you hear about in sports where, oh, that's racist. And I'm like, that you guys didn't even know what some of these guys <laughs> Like, knock it off. You know, like, right. now there's some legitimate gripes and some legitimate bigotry and some legitimate racism out there. I'm sure there is. What? But it's a lot less than it used to be. Like, you hear about some of these, now that bill has passed, but you've heard about them before if you follow the story, like people break in his house, write graffiti, put the N-word on the walls, and, like, right. defecating his bed. Like, come on. Like, that's not anything anybody's going through in no. recent times. You know, like, so people, like you said, should pay homage, kind of know when they cry wolf, what they're, what they're really crying for. Like, is it really as bad as you think it is? You know, that's the thing that sticks out with me with Bill Russell's that, like you said, this dude is putting it all on the line to win. And then in, in terms of like, you know, he was involved in like summits with like Jim Brown, a young Kareem and, and, and those guys to take our back Muhammad Ali when he, when he uh, didn't want to fight in the Vietnam war. Right. And you realize how, like, Kareem was oh, very young. So it, it, Kareem put a lot on the line there, you know? Kareem wasn't much older than – he was at UCLA, so he couldn't have been much older than 2021. 20, right. Uh, maybe 20, 67. So Kareem was 65, 20, maybe 21. You know, Jim Brown was 30-something. And obviously Bill Russell was probably 34, 35. That's still pretty young, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, but <laughs> there, you know, put your lifeline on the line, and especially at that time, yeah, especially at that time. So, you know, they get a lot of props for that. Um, you know, like you said, they're they're pioneers, even off off the court, you know. And obviously, I I love Bill Russell in terms because he's a Cali boy, you know. He like <laughs> part of the Great Migration. His family went to West Oakland, and and they were loaded. And like you said about Dewey Lequin, McClyman's was loaded, like so. Bill Russell backed up Frank Robinson, and a lot of people don't know that. And they're like, "Well, isn't Bill Russell like six ten? But yeah, you know, he might was probably was a little gangly. You could, I could imagine right. what kind of prospect Bill Russell was. He's right, yeah. like our, our Jacob McFarland at, at for West Coast Elite, kind of like uh-huh. yeah, nasty, little, you know, probably yeah, not super goofy. strong, little goofy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then right. they put it together, like so. Frank Robinson is 6'4", 6'5", and built like an ox. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. And he was more of a – became a MLB Hall of Famer. But, like, I can see Frank Robinson just pushing him just around. Just pushing dudes out the way. Just yeah, pushing, yeah. Just whether it's like, you know. Yeah, yeah you can imagine. Being like a physical center at that size. And, you know. yeah, yeah, especially back then in high school, you're like, I want the guy that – the finished product, the, the physical player. We're, you know, high school basketball was strict back then for many, you know, and, and you got to give credit to USF for like, okay, we're going to take this guy. He's a good prospect. And like, like you said, keep the shot blocking and then keeping the play in bounds. Like that revolutionized the game. 100%. And, and USF won two NCAA titles. 
he represented you you know the united states in the 56 olympics so like it happened fast for him and like you said as a lefty shot blocker who does that remind us of that reminds us of mcfarland and our guy dennis yeah. evans you just yeah. never it could click one day for those guys i'm not no way am i saying they're bill russell i'm saying right but not they, clicking. you know right, I mean? like guys at that prototype is going to take a little bit longer and then if yeah. it really clicks they're Really, really good, you know, yeah. basketball players that have the chance to make money. So it just yeah. kind of, it, you know, that's all you're saying is like, you know, like yeah. McFarlane and Dennis Evans is like, if it clicked like it did with Russell, they probably looked yeah. at him a little project T and were a little bit yeah. raw, but it clicked and he was 11 time NBA champion. Big champion. <laughs> yeah. And when I look at him, like, what's funny because we mentioned Ali and obviously Ali, like, Dude, I really haven't even processed that Ali's gone. He's been gone, what, like five years now? I think because he's so well-known on the camera. What I And I've told said this before on the pod, an old, old pod, maybe a long time ago. Again, I appreciate you guys listening to episode 138 here as we're wrapping up, is that, like, why is it in boxing? Like, Ani, if you watch Muhammad Ali's fights, then you feel like, you watch the fights just like your dad did or your grandpa did. Nope. Like you put them on, you know, okay, Drill in Manila, uh, whatever one, you know, Smoking Joe or you, he's fighting Sonny Liston. You feel like you can evaluate and watch how good he is. But, like, right. why can't we do that with basketball? I just don't understand. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, bas- basketball is the only sport. Where, I, where I, you can't I, do that. Yeah, they just they, It's just hard for people to do that. Well, I could have gone there and, and, and dropped yeah. 50. No. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, you know, like it, appreciate the that time, that era yeah. of basketball. Because yeah. like, I wouldn't watch a fifties. I would watch a 50s, 60s game, and I was like, "Yo, this is crazy." The pace they played, yeah, they yeah. scored a lot of points. Like people don't know, they scored a lot of points back then. Yeah, they scored a lot of points. Yeah, the defense might have been different. Their maybe the talent level wasn't. They're good players, 100%. you know, and you weren't just like, you know dunking on guys like it was nothing early especially in the early age because people would take homage to that and you could get undercut you know they they didn't like it so right yeah but it's very interesting when we talk about those pioneers civil rights kind of pioneers in sports and like people could understand and watch muhammad ali but they can't understand bill russell and wilt are like great oh that's old (laughs) they're plumbers i don't get that when you look at the film when i look at the film when i see bill russell I see a more focused and a little bit more athletic Dennis Rodman. About the same mm-hmm. size, 6'8", six, 6'9", six, long arms, going after the read, long reach, going after loose balls, tipping it to yourself. Yep. That's what I see. A guy who's like Dennis Rodman, but like a little bit more ferocious. So, I mean, and that's a hell of a – that's uh-huh. a hell of a player. You know what I mean? Right. Right. That's still an NBA All Star at the end of the day. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, like you can look at Bill, see how quick he gets off the ground, see how he moves and stuff, and say, "Look, if you plugged him in today's game with yeah. the the training, and everything, you you mean to tell me he wouldn't be good here? Like, come yeah. on, man. Like yeah. he was doing what he was doing with with none of that. <laughs> you know, and the shoes they were playing on. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Like, Converse for his feet were probably bloody after every second game. You know. Right. So yeah, like, like, yeah, yeah, the, the conditions they played in. So, yeah, kudos to, to Bill Russell. And, you know, wish we could talk about him more and more. You know, obviously, he, he, he accomplished everything on the spectrum. And I will say that, you know, like I said, about Frank Robinson, the, the McClymans was just so great athletically. They had the Pointer brothers uh, later. 
They were even better later after he graduated. They had even more talent. Um, Ed Thomas, uh, Paul Silas, who became an NBA All-Star. Yeah. Uh, they had uh, Ed had not. So that was their front line from in 58 was Paul Silas, 6'7", monster, strong, went to Creighton. And Ed had not. It was like 6'10", and Ed Thomas like 6'9". So they were like modern size. That was like a great high school team for modern size, like 6'8", 6'10", right. 6'10", with quick guards. And you know their guards were quick. Quick, you know, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Charles McKinney and like the Pointer brothers, who obviously their sisters are the famous Pointer sisters who yeah. became fingers. And, but their two brothers, I think there was two brothers, they they were ball players, and one went on to be uh, playing the MLB. So, like, they had a, a a running back on that team who was a defender off the bench who played in the NFL. So, like, you know, and then you, a little later they had um, Joe Ellis who played in the NBA. So, like, McClyman's got even better. And in that Chino Hills team that won 60 straight games, they were trying to pass Compton McClyman's. McClyman's had won 65 straight games and that Compton team won 66. Oh, okay. You know, Hills got to 60 and then lost to Oak Hill. That's you right. You know, at the Nike So their, their streak ended. And then and I, I remember back then I tried to talk about it as much as I could that how great those McClyman's teams were. So as great as Bill Russell was and Frank Robinson, like the team even got better later in their early, late, late 50s. They were even deeper and better. So you can imagine how good they were. You know, they're probably the greatest Northern California team. Remember one of the greatest California teams ever. Yeah, the went 65, 66 straight games. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And they went like 110 and one. So after they lost, they'd won like another 40 games in a row. Yeah, so they, they were just amazing, the depth they had in the athletes and in all sports, really. And, uh, yeah, so, the great, you know, shout out to Bill Russell, everybody that loves him. I mean, there's nobody that probably doesn't in basketball. Right. You, know, you appreciate him later. And it's just crazy how much of the early days guys are not really, you know, the, the that NBA 50 guys, a lot of guys are not here no more, you know. So I think on that note, Ani, I think we'll close it out. Um, yeah, let's talk a little bit just about uh, we'll be back probably next week. We got some travel things to do. We got some things to do. So we'll come back on the pod the following week after the uh, 12th, you yep. know, so. Uh, you know, we're going to be very busy. We'll have a lot to talk about then. Oh, 100%. Players. You know, we'll be back on the grind. But, yeah, we're yeah back we wanted on. to shout out the New York guys and Bill Russell for sure this pod. Oh, yeah. No, this is, uh, you know, these are this is one of my – this is a really good pod because, you know, just got to talk about the other things. It's always been – you know, we've always been on the move so much. I remember, like, it was just recent when we were in June. We were getting ready for the draft pod, and we were like <laughs> – A lot of work. <laughs> so, you know, to be in a position to have some downtime and actually talk about some other stuff that's really kind of going on, you know, it's dope. But then, you know, we get back into the swing of things in about two weeks, and, you know, it's going to be player, 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 player. So, you know. Yeah, yeah we talked about the young players from the, the junior All-American camp, and – those guys are going to be good. High, a lot of those guys are going to be good at high school players. And then talking about the legends, you know, and God, so many New York point guards. Again, I just threw that list out there to stir the pot. And honestly, to talk about Bill Russell, uh, man, you know, he's, you can't say enough about, we can't do him justice in 30 minutes or nothing. For sure. No. You know, we could talk about him and all the stuff he went through for hours and hours. So I think for that, that'll wrap us up again. Appreciate everybody listening. 
into episode 138. Appreciate everybody who's helping our YouTube page grow. Make sure you check it out on YouTube. Obviously, we're on Spotify. We're on iTunes. We appreciate all, all the listens. If you just listen audio, great. If you want to check us out on YouTube page, the Balls Life Podcast Network. Uh, but for Ani and Ronnie, we're checking out for this week. Peace. <laughs>